today's episode, our heroes must fly through a war zone, uncover a mystery surrounding a large mineral, and discover new phobias as they finally reach the planet Falan. This is the Zero Plane. So for this, Ghoul will be studying. Uh, he got a call on his comm that his uh, bounty hunter's truce uh, <laughs> license was about to expire, and he needed to do some more continuing education. He needed more CEs to renew his license. He got a notice from the DMV. Now he's filling out his ID paperwork. I offered to help him with that. He seemed pretty hell-bent on doing it himself. All right. Uh, what do you guys remember of what happened last time? I remember that the library was an eldritch horror nightmare, and uh, then we went into space and people were blowing stuff up. That's an apt description, because that's what happened. Yeah, it was pretty terrifying. And then we got to read the book or something, and we each got something random happened to us, like a snail jetpacked at me, and I had to dodge it. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think Ghoul has a book tattooed on him now. Yeah. In a language none of us understand, which is kind of metal. You exit the atmosphere, and all of a sudden, you see ships on fire falling down to the planet's surface as you discover you are in a massive star battle. I mean, do we just see like a collage of of lasers making explosions or can we actually make out distinct factions like flying at each other here? Uh, you cannot really see factions at this point. You can choose to fly through the lasers, which is the, the flying through this battle is the only way off of Panquake. Because it's just happening all around the planet? Correct. Hmm. Okay, so through the lasers is the only option, is what you're telling me. Hundreds of thousands of ships are locked in a space battle all around Panquake. Um, the science officer could scan. Yeah, let's try and do some kind of scan where we can find some delineation here and find where, like, the lines of fire are. Austin, roll me... Your science officer? Yes, use computer. You can go ahead and use the computer because it's available once per round. Okay. And this is a pseudo round. 15. So the ship in front of you is actually a PQS military battleship. And the PQS military helps guard the man. Mm. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was the, the opposition... Uh, and the, okay, cool. PQS that's... is simply Panquake Ship. Oh, guess he just, just heads up there's a Panquake Ship. That's, that's uh, all. okay, straight, straight ahead off the port bow there. And Elgar, you yeah. get, you're getting a hail from the ship that is falling towards Panquake's surface. Um, Do you accept it? I accept it, yes. Incoming message, Gusty. You hear tons of explosions and distant screaming as someone says, 
the, the Star Scratch. Uh, this is the PQS Peppermint, just completely bursting in the flame. We're probably going to the planet surface. You have got to be aware this is an active war zone. Uh, if you're trying to escape, there's a few drift anomalies you can go through on the far sides. Um, I'll send you the coordinates. If, if you can get any word to anyone outside of Panquake, or if you can get the flagship to come back, the PQIP is very intense this year. Um, I'll send out information to the rest of the PQ military, and they'll, they will shoot not you. But uh, that's, that's all the time I have. I need to get to an escape pod. Uh, best of luck. And the comm whoa. shuts off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was a lot of information, Gusty. Did you catch that? It was awfully helpful for a man on fire. Yeah, kudos to them. Service-oriented. Gonna leave a good review on, on there. Yelp. Your sensors pick up a drift anomaly in the far left bit of the quadrant you're in. And in order to Oof. get there... That's how you enter the drift. Okay. Because here in the Decubitus Galaxy, you can't just enter the drift after charging your engines for a few minutes. You literally have to fly through an unstable wormhole to enter the drift. All right. So, he wait, he, he asked us to uh, contact the... Um... There is a Panquake flagship somewhere in, in the galaxy. Um Okay. And he did not tell us where it is. No. Copy that. All right. Well, I'm not really wanting to stick around here any longer than we have to. So I'm just going to get it along the broad side of that ship straight ahead there. And you can move a grand total of 12 hexes. Hexes, you say. Hmm. Before you move, roll me a piloting check. You want me to do that off of the ship character sheet? Yes, I do. Uh, so, sorry, the use computer thing, I know you talked about what that was before. But. So, Elgar already used it um, this round, so we're going to say that it's already been used for the scan. Okay, that's some kind of like bonus thing that we could get. Okay, gotcha. Yes, it's a plus three bonus, but you can only use it once. You can upgrade that eventually, so you can use it multiple times. Mother of God, and the helm phase initiative? Ignore that. It's hmm, difficult yeah. to make this fun. Okay, you pass. Gotcha. It's a 21. <laughs> All right, Ooh. so move yourself 12 hexes as you fly through lasers, a few of the lasers come close, but they aim away from you. And these aren't like single shot where it's a very small thing. It's a continuous beam and that's their danger. Hmm, okay. Uh, so you moved up 12 hexes. That was nine. You've revealed more lasers than I oh, became no. <laughs> so, uncertain <laughs> suddenly. Oh, hang on. I forgot the music. Oh, God, Gusty! Here we go. Okay, I'm... I'll just cut across the forward here. Oh! You must... In between each turn. Now, you fortunately, you do have perfect turning. You can only turn 60 degrees each time. Oh, okay. But I, I don't have to roll for yeah. it. No, you do not. That's a part of your perfect flying engines or your thrusters so it's forward motion only i'll be honest i was not planning on adjusting the way i was actually facing on the map because oh. i didn't want to go through the trouble but, <laughs> but so if it's starship, that important to you so with starship combat you have forward rear port and starboard and that's what makes it very important now if it ends up being too stupid uh, we can just change it up 
But for now, that's what's happening. All right. Well, I'm going to end my move directly above whatever that ship is. You fly through more lasers, and you end just above a Panquake battleship. Oh, good. It's Panquake. And to make it easier, to the left are the good guys. To the right are other guys. Copy that. And just as you fly over this, um, this battleship, you see... And the rear of your sensors, Elgar, is a whole bunch of dots. So many dots. And then you realize that it is an amalgamation of mimes, all miming a starship. And they're following you. Oh, no. Dots on the screen. (laughs) Or roll a helm phase. I've been looking all over. Where is helm phase? That's nothing that you do. That is only the pilot. Everyone is working together as a single character. And that's why it's a little confusing. Okay, so uh, I, I rolled okay. a helm phase initiative on a pilot check. That is what that means. Yes. Okay. A 20 not natural. So the mimes go first. And this going first is bad. Oh, okay. So they have flown off to the right along that bow. Now you move your 12. Hmm. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, do Elgar and I have our own initiative within the ship, or are we both just doing stuff concurrently? So it's pretty much it's... We are one. Uh, yes. Cool. Oh, and these are the combat phases. So engineering, which no one is doing that. Helm phase, which is the captain, pilot, science officer, and then gunnery. So it goes pilot, then science. That's all you guys need to know. Gotcha. I say, okay, Gussie, I think we gotta outmaneuver this collection of mimes. Think we can handle this? Well, it's it's either we handle it or, you know, we, I assume, explode and die. So, sure, we can handle it. Pilot in check. That'll be a 24. Oh, you do succeed. All right, I... Uh, oh, no, Gusty. That's to dodge all the lasers. Okay. Oh, that's just to, to move. <laughs> yes. That's if there weren't all these lasers flying around you, like you're flying in and out of active beams of death. Would it take any time for me to guesstimate some kind of knowledge, like technical knowledge about a mind ship? That's, that seems like something that wouldn't be covered in a textbook, but I'm hoping. Uh, You can... Roll, God. I think that might be just mysticism, because <laughs> it's you only see a bunch of people like standing on invisible decks and pressing invisible buttons. Right, that's a nine on myst- mysticism. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> you are still excruciatingly mystified by this giant swarm of upright standing mimes pretending to be in a starship. It really doesn't make too much sense to you. All right. Uh, well, God damn it! Keep an eye on the bow. I'm just going full steam ahead there, Algar. Algar, and I'm going to go a full 12. I trust your judgment, Gusty. Hey, do you think this is a bad time to ask Ghoul to turn his music down? It's really <laughs> intense studying. He's kind of in the zone right now. <laughs> no, he was, he was being more intense than we were. So now, Algar, you can shift your shields if you want into a different order. Right now, you have equal shields all around. Gotcha. Uh, But you have Mm -hmm. a mime 
chasing you behind you. Yeah, I kind of wanted to... Can I just straight up do a scan of the mine ship? Mime ship? Uh, yes. So you're leaving your shields as is? Leaving them as is, yeah. Okay. Um... Rolled an 11. Scanning that mine ship. <laughs> mine ship. You do not know what is there. Ah, oh, Gusty coming up blank. These mimes are mysterious. Well, it makes sense since they're mimes. So now it's the mimes gunnery phase, and they shoot you. Go. Oh, and they hit you. No! Oh. When they shoot us, are they shooting other mimes at us, or are they mimed lasers? They are mimed lasers. Almost mm-hmm. as if there are a few mimes sitting in a turret shooting a coil gun at you, is what it could look like. Is the turret a bunch of mimes miming a turret, though? Well, you'd have to get a better scan to find that out. Mm-hmm. Right now, you just know there's a whole bunch of bodies that are mimes flying around space. It's more fun for me to question how deeply you're you're leaning into this mime choke than it is to just actually within the mechanics of the game solve this mystery but <laughs> oh we're gonna dive so much farther <laughs> oh it is for 13 damage on your what do they call it your aft your butt shield not the gotcha. butt <laughs> not my butt you said 13 yes so 25 minus 13 oof that's my least favorite subtraction 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 problem. <laughs> subtraction you subtract. I think you've got twelve I shields left. Myself. Twelve we go. There we go. So on your next turn you could pull thirteen shields from somewhere else. Okay. Uh, I think you have to keep at least ten percent at all times, uh, at least in all of your shields, so one side can't have zero. Okay. And as soon as that hits your shields, the TV pops on next to you guys, the news TV, and you hear this. This just in with Ansel Guy Adams for the Before Sunrise News. The Cold-Blooded Collective has taken part in the PQ military Good Guys versus the Panquake Independent Party. It remains unclear their current objectives, but this news anchor can only say if they won our hearts at the talent show, survived a haunted starship, traveled to an ancient temple to fight a wyvern only to best a becausevern, then the massive space battle they're in won't make them adjourn. Now then, as our camera bots aren't giving us a clear picture, let's go straight to their body cams to see what they'll do next. And then you see exactly what's in front of you on the TV, staring back at you. Dumb. Well, now, this raises sort of a philosophical question. What does before sunrise news mean when you're in space? I thought you were going to say... Something about Big Brother watching us. Yeah, there's a lot of philosophical questions I'm asking myself right now, Gusty. I mean, there are more important ones, obviously. That's just what's on my mind these days. You know, Elgar gets gets real uncomfortable and pats his belly and covers the camera up. (laughs) You see the camera move on your body, but you feel nothing. Elgar feels like he's still in an eldritch terror. And says, hey, Gusty, let's get out of here. This is freaking me out on multiple levels. All right. Roll another helm phase. 
What's really great about space battles is how many windows I have open right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Ugh, that's a 33, apparently. You very much get it. Uh, did you use the computer? I did not. Okay. Good grief. I just have very high pilot. Yeah. All right. Well, the mimes go again, but they're really slow. Oh, and they get hit by one of the lasers from their own side. Aha, you fell into my laser trap. Aha. Okay, Elgar, as you look back, you see a giant plume of mimes go flying out into space as a massive laser beam goes through the mime ship. It's still flying, but it's got a massive hole in it. Elgar stands <laughs> jaw-dropped and just watches the beautiful mime fireworks. They go through space and they start hitting other ships and flying through other explosions. Their paint is immaculate, but their bodies are ripped asunder. Is the hole in the mime ship another mime miming a hole? Elgar will have to roll a scan for that. Um, that's, that's, don't, don't waste your time on that. I'm just thinking out loud is all. Anyway, full power ahead. <laughs> I'll, I can scan for maybe like a target system. What kind of shoes do they have, oh, yeah. these mimes? Yeah, maybe. What they're... is their paint consistency? Is it eggshell or off-white? That I do actually know, <laughs> seeing as I splashed one on the face that one time. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, I am doing the full power maneuver. All right, can you explain to me what that does? Uh... Uh, move up to one and a half times your starship speed, but the starship distance between turns is increased by two. All right. But first, give me another piloting check. Oh, wait. No, you already... Because that was for your helm. Actually, yeah, sorry. Because you're in threatened areas. Oh, no. 19. All right. So here's what happens. Your starboard side takes 20 damage. Oof. So now your starboard shields are down to five. Yowza. And as you approach... Holy shit. Yellow tendrils fly out from a very safe portal and try to wrap all around you. Make another piloting check. Okay. Uh, as I'm doing this, can I shout back to Elgar to uh, put take power from the port shields into the starboard, or does he even have time to do that? Um, as you're flying, I can allow that if Elgar gives me... Science officer? Oh. Yeah, you and your piloting. And then 32 on pilot. You fly in and out of all these tentacles with ease. I have been waiting for this day for so long. Yeah! <laughs> and just as a GM to player, the DC has been increasing every single time. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> I'm a little bit sad that those tentacles didn't get you. Anyway, um, yeah, Elgar, go ahead and... Now it doesn't matter because you went, you flew through those tentacles, so you received no damage. Yeah, because it would happen at the very end. Even though all this is happening at the same time, after your movement, yeah. then comes the the other phase. Gotcha. But Elgar, you notice while Gusty Adams is piloting and Ghoul is just scratching his head in the back, trying to figure out what an answer is and cursing all the time. Your comm starts ringing, and you look down, and it says, Lug. Lug, is that a name we should remember? Oh, that's the god of... Do you answer it? I do answer it. I do, I do. 
Oh yeah, guys, this is Lug. Uh, listen, I said that I'd call you and tell you how to lift with your legs. I'm just checking in, making sure you're lifting with your legs. Um, hey guys, are you lifting with your legs? Is that how you're doing this tricky piloting? All the time. Yeah, Lug, he's doing it. He's lifting with his legs. I'm doing it too right now, just steering the ship. Got a pilot from your hips, that's the secret. All right, just making sure, just checking in on you. I'll check in on you again at my earliest convenience. Uh, and as Lug bids you a farewell, the yellow tentacles recede back into the very safe portal and disappear. The drift anomaly is straight ahead, and the battle is now behind you. Whew! I would like to redistribute our shields just in case we get a rogue laser. All right, do you fly through it? Oh, yeah, 100. Oh, I'm not on the right thing. There we go. All right, you fly through, and you are now in the drift. A literal hellscape wreathed in fire and red electricity, all in the name of convenience in travel. Uh, It just occurred to me a little bit. Don't we need an animal for this? Oh, God, yeah, our snoot scoot. An animal would have made it a little bit easier to travel. But now, you get to choose where you go in the galaxy. Oh, man. That's a map with a lot of stuff on it, Bowen. It is. This is the whole galaxy. Where you can travel is proximity space, and it will take 3d6 days, or into the expansive, which is way on the outer edge of the galaxy, um, for 5d6 days. Now, a snoot scoot would have limited pretty much the amount of dice used, but... In case you wanted to know, there is the near you is skillet station is like right next to you. Then you've got the Panquake Armada with the flagship. Uh, they're they are always broadcasting their location. There's very few secrets. And then Falan is a little bit ways above that. Now you can travel anywhere through the drift, and it will only ever take three d six days. However. One interesting thing about Panquake is no matter where you are in this galaxy, it will only ever take 1d6 days to return. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, trying to think of priorities here. Gusty, I got the urge to get to Jeff Izzard. You want to just skip straight over there? I, I don't know. We got to do that. I feel like we just got to do that. Yeah, I am a little bit wary of getting sidetracked. Morally, it seems like the thing to do to contact the flagship and tell them they're being attacked by mimes or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's the best thing to go to Jeff Izzard. They can they can fend for themselves, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, the man who was panicked about it was on fire and fallen, so we could, you know. Probably a little bit of confirmation bias there. Yeah. Now, even though Ghoul is reading in the back, he still has that text all over his skin. And it was about the true present of Jeff Izzard. So if you want true answers, it would be to figure out what that writing says. Oh, yeah. Um, Are we fine just sitting in this, like, hellscape? travel dimension though like to to make up your minds is to choose to go somewhere and then roll how many days it will take okay because it'll take at least three days even if you roll the best roll you can 
Right, right, right. Mm, okay. You can you can read Ghoul's skin book <laughs> um in transit. Yeah, you know what? Let let's set course to fall on, see what see what we end up with there. And then if, you know, we'll figure figure things out along the way. Yeah. Elgar sighs a, a sigh of relief that that's that we're setting our course for Falan. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Gusty roll 3d6. Ooh, just a regular old 2, 5, and 1. It will take you eight days to get to Falan. That could have been a little worse, I guess. <sighs> Maybe we should read that, that weird skin map. The ghoul got. You think he's about to take a break? Oh, I'd say he is. Hey, ghoul, get get your skin up here. You hear horrendous snoring from ghoul. Well, that's convenient. Let's. He's sleeping pretty deep. Let's just, in the least creepy way possible, let's just try read his skin without waking him. Think we can do that? <laughs> that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, I thought about a better way to say that, Gusty, and there's no better way to say that. I don't think there is one. Let's read his skin. But the best part is, is you know what I mean. <coughs> okay. Wow. Yep. I think we can do it, though. So you go into his room, you open up his door all the way. He is passed out. There's just books of bounty hunting rules and regulations the ins and outs the do's and don'ts of everything he even has a bounty hunter's truce osha book for some reason wow yeah i'll jump in on this stealth check business so yeah what are your stealth shit well elgar you aptly sneak into the room without waking ghoul gusty adams you like strut in making zero noise whatsoever with your natural freaking 20 i am feeling so at home (laughs) now that i'm in space it just suddenly everything feels very comfortable for me clearly i feel like we're playing that that board game don't wake daddy holy shit sits up in bed if you roll the wrong thing oh god right I forgot about like, that this is- <laughs> game. That was terrifying. Yeah, that was one of the anxiety-inducing games. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was about that plastic dad suddenly bolting upright in bed, but it was a little bit of a nightmare <laughs> waiting to happen. I always wanted them to combine that game with um, that surgery game where you take out the plastic dogs from like the guy's body. Right. Oh yeah. Combine that with perfection, too, where all the pieces fly up. I think we've just created the worst game anyone could possibly play. You get one chance. There's so many anxiety-inducing children's games. What the (laughs) hell? (laughs) Anyway, um, oh, I would also like to check for his gun uh, just to see where it's sitting and if it's sitting barrel toward us uh audrey is actually comfortably set in the corner and there is no noise coming from her does anyone talk to her no (laughs) i don't want to initiate it just seems like the wild card element here (laughs) uh yeah no i'll just we'll go up and like roll up a sleeve and start um 
looking over him in a very normal way. Go ahead and roll a culture check. And culture, do I even? Oh, I do. Elgar, make another stealth check. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> a bad, bad roll. Just flinging ones like they're nothing. <laughs> Just pooped in my hand and flung it against the We both rolled natural ones. So, well, Gusty, you know for a fact one of these languages is a language you know. It is written in the language of Infernal. But you have no idea what this other language is. And it appears that this book written all over Ghoul's body is written half in one language and half in Infernal. And the end of it is absolutely written in Infernal. And before I get to Elgar's bit, um, this is what you find in the book from uh, Jeff Izzard's True Present. And it says, it's like an autobiography. And in the Valley of Giants on the planet Falon, Jeff Izzard ate a biscuit while walking to his ship within the hybrid bakery and military facility. He felt fabulous. His army was almost complete and currently being trained by Sir Kenny Up. Jeff thought to himself, such a volatile alliance with Sir Up. I'm bettering the galaxy, and using this PQIP will get me the quickest result. Now, did Diffa want uh, blueberry or raspberry scones? Jeff pondered. His victory almost assured, his ship was full, almost fully fueled and loaded with cargo, his bakery traps checked and rechecked, his caged beasts fed, and his prized possession frozen in a cryo-chamber. The man's favorite pet, WD-40. The book ends on Ghoul's butt, so you're staring at Ghoul's butt. Oh, my lord. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I continue to stare at it and... Can't stop staring. (laughs) (laughs) We interrupt this episode to bring you fun facts about the drift. Traveling in the drift is odd. This close to the expanding part of the expanding universe, the rules of the drift are altered slightly. Basically, it goes like this. Entry equals location, direction equals distance, and exit equals smell. Got it? I thought so. As an example, you might need to get to planet B from moon A, but enter the drift on the light side of the moon. And as soon as you're in the drift, take a hard left until you smell brownies. The drift is a mix of every possible reality from every alternate reality thrown into a fruit basket the size of the cosmos and blended together with a pinch of salt. Except the salt is evil and giant. When ships come out of the drift, they might come out whole, they might come out fine, and they might come out covered in unimaginative horrors from the most boring person in the universe. In short, the odds of something attaching itself to your vessel in the drift or encountering something so hungry that hunks of metal begin to look tasty 
is a million to one chance, but we all know about million to one chances. Now, back to the show. I glance up at Audrey and do a shush face to her, like with one finger in front of my mouth. <laughs> However, when you make a shush face, because you rolled a one, you actually go shush, and you make a really loud <laughs> shushing noise, and you see a little light pop on, and she says, Oh, hello. Well, would either of you like to know about anything that you need to be doing? I am your secretary. I am Audrey. You have things to do. Would you like to know what they are? We have things to do? I mean... Boy. Yes, Ghoul had me um, become his secretary. Oh, I do vaguely remember that now. Shall I list them? Yeah. No, that'd be... Yeah, that'd be nice, I think. Yes, this would be an excellent time for that. You must get Jeff Izzard. You must read the book on Ghoul. Jeff. You must find Marty. Hmm. You must figure out the microscopic blood. You must find WD-40. Uh, you must kill Joy on Panquake. You must find out who or what hmm. is Chester Shire. And you must regain your memories locked within the golden pocket watches that kept trying to kill you. That is all. And she shuts off. Hmm. Kind well, of a, a wild good, ride when you put it that good way. Good refresher. We got a lot of plates we're juggling, eh, Gusty? Yeah, they're like one to six back burners going on here. Seems like getting to Jeff Izzard's gonna solve a lot of those things. So I'm, I'm just gonna, and then I pull up Cool's uh, pants <clears throat> when I realize that we just had a, a <laughs> meeting basically over his bare ass. <laughs> um, yeah. And then r- relate what I read to. Uh, to Elgar. Elgar says, um, yeah, that's a lot to process. Maybe we should step outside the room to think about this. Yeah, I, I think we can leave the, the ghoul alone for a while or possibly more than a while. Yeah, he seems to need that sleep. And as if to add to the awkwardness, ghoul expounds a, a squelchy snore slash squelchy fart. Ooh, yeah. Does he narrate that in his sleep? Oh my god, that's a great... Um, honestly? I don't know. Yeah, that might be a character decision. <laughs> I'm not gonna have a... <laughs> but if he does... <laughs> it was, it was pretty the first hilarious. thing Ross records. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you get out of Ghoul's room in that situation. So now what? All right, well, uh, I guess we're headed in basically the right direction still. It seems to still be pointing toward Fallon. I take Gusty by the shoulders and say, Gusty. Yes, sir. I need biscuits right now. I need biscuits. Do we have any biscuits? You know what? I got a craving for biscuits and I need biscuits. We can make that happen, I think. Don't say we don't have biscuits because I need biscuits. <laughs> biscuits. Look, we- we made a biscuits. floating egg gun ship for our dog. I think we can figure out how to make a food. <sighs> and okay. I go to the tech workshop and figure out how to make a biscuit. All right. So that's how you spend the rest of this particular day. This is day four. Oh, we spend as long as it takes. All right. Um, Boy, there's no... So we successfully got biscuits? There's no bakery, so I don't know what you guys would roll. Um... 
Well, my instinct is to just make a biscuit out of like UPBs because that's what we've been doing. <laughs> also, I'm an android and I don't totally get food. Elgar wants biscuits by any means. All right. So Gusty's made a bunch of really weird inedible for organics um, biscuits. And Elgar heartily munches them and kind of like slumps against the wall. And his armor's kind of like glowing a faint soft red. And he says, oh, oh, what were we talking about, Gusty? I just had uh, my urge satisfied for biscuits. Just now or in general? Just just a moment ago. We were, we just read that map, right? That was, that was just a moment ago. Oh, I was just wondering if I could substitute vanilla for oil, but... <laughs> the uh oh. yeah the map that yeah. we have right we were just in ghoul's room right oh the book yeah that passage we read how long ago was that oh i don't know a biscuits making amount of time so i assume like three days it has in fact been three days huh well jeff Izzard, right we gotta get to jeff Izzard. yeah you uh You've got a, this is sort of um, an odd, I don't know how to say it, detoxified vibe to you right now. Hmm. Thank you. I, I do feel pretty good. These biscuits seem to be doing the trick for me. Those biscuits are essentially metal. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were, mm. They're basically pacifiers. They're just <laughs> for... <laughs> This might be digging a little bit too much into role play here, though, but just based on the tone, can I roll a medicine to see if there's some kind of uh, chemical dependency evidence with Elgar? Uh, Yeah, go ahead and roll your medicine. It's a 19. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of substance dependence but it's more of a psychological processing of what happened and all the trauma you have gone through and continually gone through and almost as if you guys have been chased so it's kind of like this victim processing what happened sort of sense that you're getting it's more psychological okay with your medicine role Okay, I just had to chase that rabbit hole for a second. <clears throat> you guys did like consume uh, oh. a lot of weird stuff, so that that makes sense. Oh yeah, we've we've been dosing ourselves with chemicals nonstop for like a week. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, here's another question: Do we still remember what ice cream is? You you guys do know what ice cream is. However, there was no ice cream anywhere on the in the uppercase city. Okay, just making sure ice we cream does having, exist. Like, knowledge extracted from us or something. That was that was just the theory I've been running. Oh, okay. <laughs> the ice cream theory. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it's like the historical theory that we're actually living in the year fourteen fifty. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> But that's not relevant right now. (laughs) Maybe it is. All right. So you guys spend seven days or three days in the drift. Um, You've got four days left. On the the fifth day, something happens. Hmm. 
Oh boy, here we go shooting again. And on the the fifth day, you hear a loud kathunk. Mm-hmm. Almost as if mm-hmm. a massive rock landed on the upper part or the upper level of your ship. The same level that you are all on. Elgar, you just hear a worrisome kathunk? Yeah, that was a little louder than your typical space dust. Yeah, about how many times Ooh. out of ten is that noise a good noise? Yeah, not a whole lot. Maybe I should do a... Can I just do like a general scan of the ship? Yeah, do a kathunk scan. Yeah, do the kathunk scan. Yeah. Go and roll computers. Um... Let me let me figure out my computers. You find that a one hundred pound rock has appeared on the back part of your ship, in between Elgar's room and the medical lab. Oh, interior. Interior. Hmm. Oh, interior. That is significantly more worrisome. Uh, it is made of quartz. Mm. Your scan reveals with your roll of 19. Gusty, I kind of don't know about this, but maybe you should stay at the wheel and <laughs> I'll go check it out with caution. Ooh. I, uh, okay. How, how far away is this from the actual piloting room? It's just down the hall, right? Yeah, it's only about 35 feet from you. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just going to use my pistol out, keep one hand on the control panel, and just watch him as he goes. All right. So, Elgar, you're checking out the rock of quartz? Um, yes. And as I as I kind of walk over, I activate my Solarian armor just in case it's something dangerous. So I'm kind of glowing an electric red. And I kind of slowly draw out my janitorial defender and kind of cautiously walk down the wall, down the hallway towards the rock. I, it, it's just something occurred to me. Is it possible for me to do like a larger outward scan of for like other ships nearby or like other large bodies of things in space? Uh, with the scan, it's kind of everything around you. Okay, so it, that would have been included Correct. When, when he did it. Okay, never mind. So you, as you approach, you don't hear anything. And as you round the corner, you see the quartz. It's pretty big. It's 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. It is not moving. It is doing absolutely nothing. It is the most quartz you have ever seen. Mm. As in it is being quartz. The most a rock can be. Yo, Gusty, this is a pretty cool rock. Has I, I kind of want to give it a once-over with my monocle. Is it speaking it's to just, you? No, it's just quartz. Okay, hasn't grown legs or like asked a riddle or anything? No, it's staying pretty true to the molecular formula of quartz. All right, well, I'd say we're ahead on this one so far. Yeah, but I, I am kind of... A little bit skeptical, I'll be honest. Well, it did sort of appear out of nowhere. Mm. No, Monocle, it says nothing. Says it's got a a rosy quality to it. Hmm. Just quartz being quartz. 
Discord's being quartz. Space quartz. I guess it's called. <laughs> it is a 100-pound yep. chunk of quartz. Doesn't look like it did any damage to the ship. Might as well just let it be quartz. Hmm. Is it like pure quartz all the way through? No, it's got some inconsistencies. Oh, okay, okay. Does it have crystalline structure to it, or is it like uh, here and there? Yeah, cloudy. It's just a regular old quartz. Guess we just got some quartz now. <laughs> oh, we'll just put that in our quartz room. Might come in handy. Yeah, mm. so it's uh, we maybe stick that next to the the science station. We'll just start. I don't know, putting it on stuff. Uh, Elgar, do you try and move this? Oh, that's going to be yeah. so heavy. <laughs> Elgar tries to lift with his legs. <laughs> because you gained Lug's blessing and you lift with your legs, you lift this 100-pound quartz as if it were a 100-pound baby. <laughs> and it goes right up. Try it. And Elgar says, Huzzah! Quite triumphantly. And he says, Hey, Gussie! It's it, it is pretty heavy, though, so where should I put it? And he kind of stumbles towards the science center. Yeah, I figured put it next to the work workbench. We'll just kind of chip away at it. Make a, <sighs> like a nifty, I don't know, necklace. I was thinking maybe like one of those cool lamps, you know? <laughs> oh, like a whole bunch of lamps we could make. Now, Elgar, I have to ask, how do you put it down? Um... Yeah, as best he can, he does a sick squat and gently tipples it over as best he can. Super sick squat. Super sick squat. He's... Now, because this is the opposite of lifting... Yeah, yeah. Roll he's... a strength check. Oh, you know you're supposed to drop with your neck. <laughs> oh, 20. You Let's set it down 20. pretty solidly. Nice. Oof. Might have to start praying to my god again. Get some help with that setting down. Gotta find the god of putting stuff down, I think. Mm. There's only one true god, Gusty. You know that. I, I don't really anymore. I kind of love that statement in this universe. Nah, that seems fair. <laughs> As I quietly whisper out to the universe in Infernal, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and as soon as you finish your sentence, it's almost as if the shadows in your ship get a little darker. All right, I wasn't meaning to sass or anything. You don't gotta flex. I continue to say in Infernal. <laughs> hey, um, Gusty, I'm getting a pretty chilling vibe right now. Oh, well, we are in space. You know, it gets cold out here. Yeah, or Elgar kind of tunes up his armor a little bit, <laughs> tries to get that, that electric current to warm him up, and he glows, glows a nice reddish faint glow. Uh, I'm also going to take another glance down the hallway just to double check that the quartz really is just quartz and it's not about to turn into like a bunch of tiny mimes that <laughs> try to tear faces apart or something. Roll a perception. 
perception that's a thing that I have. Uh, 25. It is a 100-pound piece of quartz, and it has not moved. It is exactly where it was set down by Elgar. All right. I just nod to myself, ease back around, and say, I think things might almost be getting back to normal here, Elgar, or whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah, it seems about right. In some ways, that's about the most normal thing that's happened to us. Yeah, I mean, the delivery. Delivery needs some work. Things are looking up. As Gusty says that, I'm sitting back down at my science chair. You see a little beeping light or blinking light as soon as you get close to your chair. It appears Hmm. to be a distress signal from your recent scan. Well, there goes that. You know, someone might be trying to reach us. Let's let's see what this this distress call is all about. Well, so much for the peace and quiet. Yeah, we're still in the void, right? Yeah, you're, you're still in the drift. In the drift. So the drift is well. Actually, I should probably read that because it has not been read out loud. The drift is an amalgamation of every possible reality from every alternate reality thrown into a fruit basket the size of the cosmos and blended together with a pinch of salt. And by salt, I mean evil. You take the risk traveling through the drift, and you can defend yourself easily, but there's only so much one can do against an infinite randomness that usually ends up trying to eat you. The odds of something attaching to your vessel in the drift is a million to one chance. But we all know about million to one chances. So yeah, that's the drift. Yeah. So we're basically that in puts a, it into perspective. In an evil slot machine. Yeah. So really, that whole quartz landing up in our ship is pretty tame. We lucked out. Imagine that. I I really feel like I'm about to jinx something right now. Let's just keep flying and get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, I was starting to think I should watch what I say. Yeah, we should shut the hell up right now. And then I think we just continue to be completely quiet and try not to jinx anything. (laughs) Yeah. Elgar, you also noticed that the screen showing your um, the sealed environment chamber kind of flickers in and out. Just for a moment. Mm. And the frozen bloodhound has not moved. <laughs> I forgot that was in there. Oh, man. You know, we got to get to the bottom of that frozen bloodhound. But I'm a little afraid to go down that hallway by myself all the way down there. Well, I'm not actually doing anything here but pretending to push buttons. So, uh, yeah, let's go check that out. God knows we're not going to have time to do it probably when we get the planet that rhymes with fall on. And once we hit that planet, man, we got to take care of business. <sighs> All right. Let's go disturb the peace and quiet. As you guys mosey on over, you hear Ghoul throwing books, apparently, in frustration. <laughs> God dang. Try to get that guy to meditate with me, but he he won't have it. I think he likes it better this way. And I'm just going to... Do like a quick passing by tap on his door as we go down the hallway. Yeah, hopefully he's good. There's nothing but stillness in his room now. You don't hear anything else. And I will assume that he's perfectly fine. If you need anything, ghoul, just holler. We'll just be over here playing with the bloodhound. A furious torrent of pencils goes flying out of his door. (laughs) Okay. Getting more dangerous outside his room. You got this. Keep going. All right, Gusty. So you can see into the environment chamber. Hmm. It is a bloodhound that's a bit bigger than usual, and all sorts of frozen tendrils are coming off of it. 
It is so still, as if it were made of ice. Hmm. What, uh, this isn't totally my area of expertise. There's some in particular you were thinking to look at on this. Oh, just kind of wanted to make sure that this room is still sealed. The camera was glitching in and out. Doesn't look like it's moved or anything. Mm, hold on, wait. Can I roll a perception to ensure that everything in this room is the same? Yes. Okay. Uh, natural 20, 28. Oh my god. And it was to see if everything is the exact same? Yeah, just a very general scan of the room. You know, for demons hiding in the corner or chairs that have scooted an inch to the right. Well, you have noticed that the bloodhound is actually one foot closer to the wall than it once was when it was first frozen in this room. Mm. Like a noticeable distance. Must have been when we were flying through outer space. Things get jostled. Could be. How long we had this thing in here now? Uh, a little over. A pretty good amount of time. A while. A little over a week, yeah. Less than a day. It got closer to the wall, like the interior wall. Yes, it's one foot closer, per your excellent perception, than it used to be. I'm going to take a marker, one of the markers I have, and I'm going to just put a little line in a couple places, like in front of its paw and like above its head, uh, just sort of like vague outlines, just so I can come back later and, and see if it's moved anymore in relation to those lines later. All right. Uh, so roll a fortitude save because uh, you're going into an environment that is well below zero. Oh, I meant like on the glass. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like through whatever like viewport, basically. Yeah, no, I did not want to go next to this thing. So you mark on the, the ground where you should stand so you can see your markings. So on the outside, you have marked where to stand. And on the window, you've marked exactly what you remember seeing. Yeah, just like just quick little literal uh, guide lines just to see if it, you know, is slowly moving or something. And that's what you I do. feel a little bit like we, hmm. we maybe should be more concerned with it, but I'm sort of worn out on being concerned. So yeah. maybe, maybe we just check back up on it in a day or two. Gusty, I think you're just being paranoid. Let's, let's get back to it. All right. Do you guys get back to it? Yeah. Was that the only thing we were investigating? Weren't you getting something on the sensors? No, not really. Oh, okay. Well, let's go back up and get back to being quiet and not jinxing anything. <laughs> that sounds like the best thing to do. Let's get to Falan. Just gonna climb up this ladder here and continue on in a very normal fashion. Fine, Jeff Izzard. I think we're jinxing it. Let's just yep. carry on. <laughs> you spend the next two days in silence? It's really hard to to not say a jinxing phrase when you're thinking about it. Yeah. It's Anything like the, could be a jinx. It's like the game. Ah, I lost it. I just lost the game. Uh -huh. You bastard. The only sound we hear is is Ghoul farting occasionally. Yeah, Ghoul is tearing it up both gastrointestinally <laughs> as well as scholastically. His room is nothing but gaseous text <laughs> and fuming farts. I don't know what you guys have been eating, but it is the stress is getting to Ghoul 
and it is just this it is palpable it it actually isn't long before i start whistling to break the silence because i remember that silence makes me intensely uncomfortable <laughs> frog farts notwithstanding elgar tries to tune everything out and just meditate and kind of just concentrate while he's kind of tapping into solarian energy and on the last day what do you do I'm trying to remember if there was something I wanted to craft <clears throat> in, in all this time, but <laughs> hmm. I think we pretty much covered most of that stuff. Elgar, Elgar had been wanting to craft some armor. Uh, do you want what Ghoul has? Because he had the schematics. Um, I wanted Lashunta Mind Mail. Oh. All right. It just takes uh, two or one hour for you, so you just like whip it right up. Um, so go ahead and put that in. Um, oh, it's got two slots, so you can have... You might be able to equip your other armor upgrades. Oh, now I remember what I wanted to craft. A, uh, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, I think it's like a needler pistol. Like basically something that can shoot um, syringes so that I can shoot like the MK uh, health serums and stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, Elgar, do you want to put your jetpack on? Um, yes, so I could have... You can have both your jetpack and your descent thrusters if you want, or your, um, you have a shoulder laser. Hmm. So you could wield the janitorial defender and have a range option. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Oh, right. You both have an ability crystal. So during this time, oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. we'll say you commune with it for an hour. This is how we'll do it. Let's see. I'll do Elgar first. Elgar, what do you want to increase by two permanently? Oh, damn. Of your ability score. Oh, ability scores. Oh. So it could be your charisma for Ooh. better Solarian stuff. Wisdom, yeah, because charisma is my thing. You know, I think I'm going to do charisma. Sort of lean into my Solarianness and spend some time with those studies because that is one of my life goals. <laughs> Hashtag life goals. All right, now, Gusty. What are you going to increase by two? Uh, intelligence. Damn. Yeah. Gunning for those skill points. It's a lot of skill points. I have a lot of weird stuff I'm going to do <coughs> later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but right now, what were you gunning for um, particularly? Uh, right now, I um, I wanted to make a, a needler pistol, I think is what they're called. Okay. Um, there's the... Looks like we have a Costajet Decimator where it shoots normally 1D. Oh, so the problem is you're going to damage people in order to heal them. So do you want a really high level, which means more damage, um, injector pistol or a low level, low damage just to shoot your friends? Ooh, yeah, the, the intention of it is to, hmm, there's no... Uh... There's no way to make an in some kind of injection gun that doesn't do damage, is there? Not that you know of. Okay. Y yeah, then I'm... The range is the same on them, right? Uh, yeah, it's typically 30 feet. So do you want like a little level one? Just a low level, yeah. Yeah. But whatever you inject is more damaging. Y yeah, the injection is the important part here. All right. So you've got uh, a Costajet Liquidator, which is... Uh, does 1d4 damage, range 30 feet, critical, injection, DCs plus 2. 
So it's uh, pretty good for what you want. Liquidator. And that's barely anything. Interesting. Oh, Costo chat. All right. There will be a point that I start making attempts to craft, like, serums and poisons and things down the road. Oh, yes. I am so ready for that. But uh, we, we don't need to get into that right now. And, and some of it kind of needs uh, ghouls. Uh, collaboration. <laughs> he is indisposed at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't want to get too heavy into like a crafting episode, right? Because I'm not getting into the really entertaining crafting stuff yet. <laughs> As it is, I, I feel yeah. bad that we've basically given you like two minutes of usable audio <laughs> as we <laughs> we decide what kind of gear we'd like to have. <laughs> Before we exit this interlude, I I just want to describe my armor when there's a good moment. Oh, I'm ready to hear all about your armor. Because I was, yeah, I was just like... Well, you guys were like talking. I was like, oh, yeah, like what's my new armor look like? And I've decided I'm like color coordinating a little bit. I've got this just like sick electric kind of like lightning bolty pattern. And I've got a diffraction cloak, which I haven't really leaned into yet. But it's that cloak that I got off those mimes that we fought. Right. Yeah, those are cool. And it's just got my like lightningy pattern kind of like matches the patterning of this cloak. So it's just like this awesome coordinated outfit that makes me look like a robed badass, a cloaked badass. So you're kind of leaning into like a Jedi look here then is the impression I'm getting anyway. So yeah, I kind of like that Jedi vibe. Yeah, I mean, you've been pretty paladin-y before this. You always have a Zen thing. So I just, in my head, I've basically been thinking of you as like the lizard Jedi in the group. All right, so what's your armor? <laughs> and then we'll wrap this up. Well, it kind of involves uh, a question to the GM about that cloak. The diffraction cloak? The diffraction cloak, yeah. I know in general kind of what it does and how it kind of shimmers. So it bends light around it, but since I got it from that mime, I just want to know, like, is there any, like, patterning or, like, symbology or, like, kind of stuff that would be associated with those those bad guys the cloak was from the apathetic mime so it's almost as if the cloak itself emanates apathy it's almost like the bullets lose interest halfway through so it sort of bends reality in an anthropomorphic sort of way giving personalities to inanimate objects oh i like that so as i kind of visualize the like electric kind of red lightning bolts on my armor and how they flow into the cloak when they like get to the cloak, instead of being all jaggedy, they like kind of turn wavy and swirly and slow down and like exactly, yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, Elgar's Elgar's feeling pretty chuffed with his armor. It's a super chuffed, so chuffed. And Gusty, how are you with your new Costajet Liquidator injection pistol? Oh, I'm I'm pretty pretty fond of it. It's looking like something that shoots needles. Uh, I do have one one last little modification uh, that I'd like to make to my armor, though. Sure. <laughs> now that we have a time and uh, the inspiration took me. What you got? I would like to adapt it, if possible, 
to look like uh, basically a white suit with a, a very um, patterned undershirt. And I would like, finally, to make myself a hat. Yes! A wide-brimmed, almost cowboy hat, also white. <laughs> You can adjust your freebooter armor. It's going to be a little bulky, but it will definitely resemble the idea of a suit. It is worth whatever bulk it takes to make me look like I am Hank Williams wearing a white suit. <laughs> Let's say for your freebooter armor, it takes 4,720. Okay, that's what I... So let's say... um Making it look like a suit will take another thousand. That is worth it. So now your armor looks like a bulky white suit. You've got a fancy checkered undershirt. And now a wide-brimmed cowboy hat. Also white? Also white. Also white. Nice. And as you finish all your things, you get an alert Make a perception check to smell when you must exit the drift. Oh my god, I forgot it was smell-based. Yep. Uh, 26. You smell crunchy bacon with a hint of broccoli, and you know for a fact this is the Falon exit. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that good? <laughs> oh, you didn't smell peaches, so yeah, it's good. Oh, peaches. Oh yeah, no one wants to talk to James. Elgar definitely smells peaches. Oh, let's get out of here. Oh, There's going to be giant bugs in here in a minute. Oh. All right. I exit the hell out. And you end up outside of Falan. So you exit the drift. Gusty, the smell of broccoli and crunchy bacon still in your nostrils, as the drift is a very strange place. And you fly above Falan. It is made up of terribly high mountain ranges and sea level plains with a forest here and there. Beneath the Kagog, an ancient something who feeds on the planet at an almost imperceptible slowness, resembling a giant spidery caterpillar, and giant vehicular mountains driven by dwarves rampage along the planet's, the planet's acrid, hostile surface in search of deposits of Kagog secretions. With a purple sky and a very short day and night cycle, it's almost impossible to predict the susurrous and severe temperatures. The government is strength governs all, and the top clans have the power. The clans are Euthrain, Dundaras, Thunderham, and Kulethki. With only the kings and queens of each mountain at the wheel, danger and violence is almost a necessity. This is Falan. Oh and you see four giant mountains fitted with wheels driving around the land masses and the water beneath the Kagog, which almost completely dwarfs the planet as it consumes the planet ever so slowly. Yeah, this image is triggering my megalophobia pretty hard <laughs> right now. Gusty, my sense of scale has just been blown out of the water. Kind of gives you a sense of vertigo if you look at it too long. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of queasy. Where the hell should we land? I don't know. It looks like everything's moving. Everything is moving except for a few forests. Oh. And Gusty, you know from what you read, you're in search of the plane of the giants. Okay, that's what I was about to ask. Everything's mm. giant around here. <laughs> <What? laughs> it's a planet! <laughs> I'm supposed to look for one plane of it? <laughs> And as you figure out what to do next, 
you get a ring or you get a hail from one of the mountains. It is from Black Rock Uthrain. Well, that's a new one. Hmm. What do you say? What what do you want to do? Rock, paper, scissors, see who talks to them. Yeah. I just realized we can't physically do rock, paper, scissors, and that made me incredibly sad. (laughs) Oh, but we could type in our answers and then hit enter on three. Oh, you're right. Okay, I'll tell you when. Okay. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Three. Shit. Oh, well, that's what I typed. Paper beats rock. Okay. Well, it's up to you. Oh, God. Or I think it's your deal. I don't know. We didn't clarify the, the idea anyway. Well, yeah. Okay, I'll answer it. Click on that radio. And before you <laughs> click to answer that hail, that is where we will end the session. Oh. Whew. In the Super Mario giant world. Hey, I love this planet. <laughs> Then why don't you marry it? <laughs> I'm intimidated by this planet more so than any other planet so far. Oh, it, it mainly went, due to the mountains on wheels. Mountain. It really went hard on first impressions here. This one, <laughs> it just it has the vibe of like when you leave the first area in a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you realize the game actually yeah. is going to just punch you down. Right. Like, oh, crap. This is the hard part. <laughs> you also feel faster, stronger, more productive, fitter, happier. You have all reached level seven, oh, including Ghoul, who got his certification slash license renewed. Yeah that, yeah. that must have been the most gratifying pass to a test he's ever done in his life leveled up from it damn yeah that's a good ass so let me tell you in addition to whatever your um i forgot to do this last time in addition to whatever your classes give you you also gain your fourth feat 